Good morning and a very warm welcome to morning worship in the parish of Castlochur and Gorsainen. It's great to have you with us. During the service today, Anna will be reading from the Bible for us. I will be helping us to understand that Bible passage a little better and Andrew will be leading us in prayer. My name is Adrian and I'm the vicar. It's a joy to welcome you on behalf of the church family. And if you're joining us for the first time, we hope that you're very blessed. If you'd like to know a little bit more about what we're up to and how you can be a part of it, please do visit our website, syncath.org.uk, or get in touch with us because we'd really love to hear from you. Let me begin our service today with a special prayer of the Church, the Collect. O Lord Jesus Christ, who at your first coming sent your messenger to prepare a way before you, grant that the ministers and stewards of your mysteries may likewise so prepare and make ready the way by turning the hearts of the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, that at your second coming to judge the world you may find an acceptable people in your sight. For you are alive and you reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. of his grace, the triumphs of his grace, the triumphs, the triumphs of his grace. My gracious master and my God, assist me to proclaim, assist me to Bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears. Tis life and health and peace. Tis life and health and peace. Tis life, tis life and health. i 
reading from the Gospel of John. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Now this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely, I am not the Messiah. They asked him, Then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. Finally, they said, Who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way for the Lord. Now the Pharisees who had been sent questioned him. Why then do you baptise if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptise with water, John replied, but among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. This all happened at Bethany on the other side of the Jordan, where John was baptising. May I speak and may you hear in the name of God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. In one of the episodes of the television comedy Friends, Phoebe's challenged to do a good deed from which she derives no personal benefit at all. It proves much harder than she'd expected, because every time she does something kind or generous, somehow it always turns out to have something in it for her too. She decides to rake up the leaves from a neighbour's garden as a surprise. But he finds out, and he decides to thank her with cider and cookies, which makes her feel great. She pledges money to a charity that she doesn't even like because her friend is working there, and it makes her happy knowing that he is happy. The question in the midst of Phoebe's increasingly desperate attempt to do something completely unselfish is this one. Is there such a thing as a wholly altruistic act, or whether, like it or not, we always act to benefit ourselves in one way or another? On the face of it, John the Baptist does seem to have achieved Phoebe's goal. It's very hard to see what ultimately John the Baptist gets out of witnessing to Jesus. While we meet him at the beginning of the Gospel accounts, at the height of his fame, his ultimate dedication to signposting people to God doesn't end well for him. Right now, he has many disciples and people flock to hear him preach and to be baptised by him. He says what God has given him to say in all circumstances, without softening his message to suit the ears of his listeners. He's not afraid to reproach King Herod, for example, for an immoral lifestyle, sleeping with Herodias, his brother's wife. The religious leaders of his day were clearly impressed enough by John to wonder if he could be the Messiah that they'd been waiting for. And he does have all the right credentials. He comes from a priestly family, and his birth is surrounded by miracle and prophecy. What's more, his message of judgment and his call to repentance are exactly what the religious authorities would have expected the Messiah to say. 
all the prophets of old echoed John's warning to the people to repent or face God's judgment. Taken in conjunction with John's fearlessness in the face of authority, he would surely have been willing, if necessary, to take on the hated Roman usurpers of the Jewish nation's independence. So it's ultimately understandable that they come to John and they ask him point blank, Who are you? This was his moment, his chance to make it big. They believed in him and they were ready to declare that he was the Messiah. I wonder how he might have felt at that point. Was he tempted by the chance of his very own five minutes of fame? If he was, the gospel show no sign of it. He's emphatic in his denial. John was not the Messiah. We don't quite know how John the Baptist prepared himself for this moment, although tradition has it that he lived as an ascetic in the wilderness before beginning his ministry, somebody characterised by severe self-discipline and by abstention from all forms of indulgence. Instead, he focused on God and he sought him. Matthew's Gospel tells us that he wore itchy clothes of camel's hair and he lived on locusts and wild honey, all of which seemed to bear out this testimony of his God-focused, self-denying lifestyle. But wherever he'd been and whatever he was doing in the years since his birth, it seems to have honed his vocation to this point, to the moment when he could say forcefully, I'm not the Messiah. As far as the Gospels are concerned, when John has baptised Jesus and recognised him and witnessed to him, his work is done. When John is later imprisoned and then executed by Herod, this is a sad, unjust event, but not a tragic one from the Gospel writer's perspective, because John has already fulfilled his life's purpose. Humanly speaking, looking at things through the world's eyes, it's hard to see what satisfaction John could have got out of his mission. A life of self-denial, brutally cut short for bravely doing the right thing. An influential ministry, remembered only in the context of someone else's far more important work. Hardly the epitaph most of us would wish for. But all those years of prayer, all those years of close connection with God in the wilderness that allowed John to stand up and to say with utter clarity, I'm not the Messiah, they may perhaps have given John enough insight into his own value in God's eyes. John was doing the very thing that he was born to do. He saw what all the prophets longed to see, God's Messiah coming to bring justice, peace, freedom from sin to the whole world. So, perhaps his altruism had its reward after all. This year's been something of a wilderness experience in one way or another for all of us. For me personally, I've really missed seeing you throughout the year. And one of the things I love most about the Christmas season is the busy rush of carol services and concerts. Without these filling my days, I've got to admit I'm feeling a bit flat. Yet, 
It does mean that I've got more time to be still with God and to ponder the things that I'm sharing with you today. I wonder how you've been using your time. Many of us I know have had extended time to draw near to God, reading more of our Bibles, spending more time in prayer, seeking God in stillness. And what a blessing that's been. And we're beginning to see the fruit of this in our regular Zoom prayer meetings and in small Connect Group conversations. Connect Groups are smaller gatherings of people meeting in different places and at different times in the week. But all of the groups include elements of worship, Bible study and prayer. Connect Groups also give us the opportunity to connect with one another more deeply, finding friendship, encouragement and support during the highs and lows of everyday life. If you've never come along to one of these before, why not think about using the new year as an opportunity to do so? God may even be putting it on your heart to start a connect group, in which case I'd really love to hear from you. Then again, there is another side to this story, and perhaps you've not experienced an extended time to be with God. Perhaps life is busier now than it was before lockdown. You haven't got the headspace to consider these things, or even the time to do what you want to do. And if that's the case, then why not just start small? How about just setting aside ten minutes each day to be quiet and to connect with God? A good pattern to use during that time, I think, is the word pray. First pause. Sit quietly for a few moments, stilling your soul. Secondly, rejoice. Spend a few moments reading a psalm or listening to your favourite hymn or worship song, being glad for who God is. Then ask. Tell God what's on your heart and ask him for what others and for what you need. Pray through your day and for what you're going to be doing. And finally, yield. Read a few verses from the New Testament until one of those verses pops out at you and talk to God about it. Is there something that you need to confess? Ask the Holy Spirit to fill you afresh. Pray. Pause. Rejoice. Ask. And yield. John's calling was unique. He was born to stand on the cusp between the old world and the new creation in Jesus. He was born to point forward to what the rest of us can now receive. Thanks, at least in part, to his faithful witness, we don't have to wonder if Jesus is God's Messiah or not. We know. But now we take up John's mantle and we too have to bear witness to Jesus. John did it alone, and when no one else recognised Jesus. But he did what he was born to do. He saw who Jesus was, and he told the world. Now it's our turn. Like John, we too are on the cusp of new beginnings. With a vaccination on the horizon, we're beginning to think about the possibility of getting back to normal. If that's simply business as usual, after almost a year of being cooped up at home, then perhaps we're the lucky ones. 
because for many, a new normal will be a world without loved ones. It'll be a world in which they've lost secure employment or in which their homes are being repossessed because they can't keep up the mortgage payments. A new normal will be a world in which the economy's at rock bottom, in which businesses are struggling, and there'll be even more urgent, practical, emotional and spiritual need in homes across our community. As Jesus' disciples, we can't come out of Covid simply doing what we did before or doing what we've always done. To do that would be the very opposite of what John did, to put ourselves first before God. John challenges us to see Jesus, to bow the knee to him, to experience and to know his compassion and his love for ourselves. And he inspires us to get out and to show that love by bearing witness in our words and our deeds. Are we ready? In March 2020, our church building closed, but the church didn't. As our website states, the church has left the building. And when the time comes for us to meet normally again, and finally to meet one another face to face, we need to remember not to get too cosy and comfortable. We won't be changing our online statement to the church's return to the building. For whilst we'll meet for communal fellowship and worship, we should very much have one foot outside of the building, just as John the Baptist did. Strengthened, resolved and directed by his own time with God, he looked outwards, as Phoebe from Friends attempted to do, and he acted selflessly for the sake of those surrounding him, all in the name of God's abounding love. Maybe Phoebe got it slightly wrong. Even if her good deeds brought her benefit too, and made her feel good, did that really detract from trying to act selflessly and for the benefit of someone else other than her? As we look around our community in this post-Covid world, we as a church should follow the example of Phoebe and the example of John the Baptist. We need to practically, emotionally, spiritually be the hands and feet of Jesus to the hurting world in which we live. But unlike Phoebe, our motivation and our resource to do so ought to be our own knowledge and our own experience of God's love for us and for others, and not our desire to win a bet with a friend. Amen.
Let us pray. Father, we give you thanks for John the Baptist and for all prophets who call us to make ready the way of the Lord, to repent ourselves, turning our lives around, to return to you and to your priorities and to the life you would lead us in. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we're asked today to remember Swansea ministry area around the centre of the city. And further afield, we remember the Christians of the Falkland Islands and with them other isolated communities. Lord, we've learnt a little bit more about isolation this year. So help us to remember those who live and work and worship in small communities, having to get along with one another, having to rely on one another in good times and bad. We pray for our brothers and sisters in those communities. And with them we pray for our church leaders, that at this interesting and difficult time, they may have the right words, the right policies, the right ways of adapting what we have known to become right for what is now. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our community. We ask your guidance and blessing on those who legislate and plan in the Covid pandemic and on those who negotiate our post-Brexit relations with our neighbours near and far. We pray for all who are involved in our community and political life, that they may have integrity and wisdom and charity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give thanks again for our doctors and nurses, for those who deliver care in the community. And we pray for them, and especially for those who are tired and in danger of depression. We pray for carers, and worried families. We remember those bereaved. And we give thanks for vaccines, treatments, and for volunteers who give us hope and help us to face whatever comes. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for our preparations for Christmas, a different Christmas. May we be ready, Lord, for your coming, your coming to us, to our lives, ready to celebrate your coming in great humility in Bethlehem and to wonder again at your readiness to take such risks, such 
deprivation and poverty. And we ask too that you'll make us ready for your coming at the end of time to judge, to sort out the world that is both wonderful and badly distorted. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Father, it's a strange time. It's not what we're used to, and we found ourselves a little confused and out of sorts. Remind us that you are still our guide, our companion, our Lord, and help us to be your people, giving thanks for all that is good, rejoicing in your love and mercy, in your constant planning, always being one step ahead of us, in your ability to cope with all the things which we think may threaten us and we shall not cope with. Lord, teach us your ways. Make us thankful, constantly rejoicing and listening carefully for the prophets and for your word. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen.
that you've been encouraged and blessed by our service today. Looking forward to next week and drawing closer to Christmas. It's going to be a Christmas with a difference. But next Saturday, the 19th, we're creating Christingle from the comfort of your very own home. So if you'd like a Christingle goodie bag, including your very own Christingle orange, then please do sign up on our website, syncath.org.uk, or give us a call on 892849. We're taking seriously all of the COVID restrictions, and we will have completed the preparations of the goodie bags at least 72 hours before they're distributed. Then we're inviting people later that afternoon to join us in a virtual Christingle service and all the details on how to access the service will be inside the bag. Next Sunday, which is the 20th of December, we're hoping to put together a virtual Nine Lessons and Carols, which we're inviting you to join us in, in the normal way. The link will be sent out via email and we hope that you enjoy it. Then, one final thing before we finish today. We're participating this year in a national initiative called Love Christmas to help spread the power of practical love, hope and kindness to people who are struggling this winter. If you know of anyone who would appreciate a Christmas box just to raise their spirits and as a reminder that they are known and loved, then again, please do register on our website or give us a ring. We'd love to reach out, to be a blessing and to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And as we finish today, let me pray for God's blessing on us. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God, and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, be upon us and remain with us always. Amen.